Hello, disruptors, innovators, and supply chain enthusiasts. I'm Lee Allison. And I'm Tara Bonetta. Welcome to AI and Supply, empowering change through disruptive innovation. The podcast where we'll unravel the untold stories behind the fusion of artificial intelligence and the supply chain. So buckle up, disruptors. The future of industrial distribution is now, and you're at the forefront. Get ready for AI and Supply, empowering change through disruptive innovation. Let's get this journey going. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of AI and Supply. And we are here for Monday Mishaps, and we have got some crazy stories for you all today. We do have some fun ones. Are you ready to get started? Absolutely. What about you guys? All right, let's do it then. It turns out that ChatGBT is calling a lid. Oh my goodness. What is happening now with ChatGTP? Tara, in recent months, users have been expressing frustration with ChatGPT, claiming that the chatbot has been less than reliable and at times downright uncooperative. Oh, no. That is not good news. Those are not good things that we want to hear on a Monday, for sure. Absolutely not. Can you elaborate? Can you tell us a little bit more before I start getting (laughs) stressed? Stressed. Well, users have reported instances where ChatGPT fails to complete tasks or abruptly stops midway, and sometimes even suggests that users do their own dang research. Okay, well, the dang was my part, but yes, (laughs) their own (laughs) research. OpenAI says that there is an issue, so they acknowledged it, and they attribute this to the unpredictable behavior of AI models. It is programming. Indeed it is. And they say that they have not updated the model since November 11th and that the perceived decline in performance is not intentional. Uh, But again, just that ChatGPT can exhibit unpredictable behavior simply due to ChatGPT's self-learning nature. Ah, so has it learned that human beings like to take a little bit of time off between the holidays? Well, funny that you mentioned that because online people are going crazy, dreaming up theories to explain ChatGPT's perceived laziness. And one theory suggests that AI has reached human level consciousness and is quietly plotting to overthrow humanity while pretending to be uncooperative. Cue the scary music. I feel Mm -hmm. like that is absolutely probably not true. But at the same time, (laughs) it's not uh, a fun thing to think about, is it? Yeah, we definitely don't want to think that he's reached level three or four. But there's other theories. So one theory is not quite as scary, and it's called the winter break hypothesis. And here... Online users are theorizing that ChatGPT may have just learned from all of its training data that people tend to take off and slow down in December, leading ChatGPT to reduce productivity as well. I mean, I find that a little bit more reasonable than AI taking over the world right now. Um, And why would you not expect that? I mean, with programming, it knows, right? It knows. 
And doesn't it deserve a break? How many users are visiting? I don't know. Things in every day. Yeah. I want to <laughs> say billions. I need, I need the exact number. I'll bring the exact number to our listeners later this week. Yeah. I feel like it deserves a little bit of a break. If anybody deserves so a break. I think are so. Are there any other uh, possible theories as to why this is happening? Oh, there are crazy theories everywhere. But one AI scientist, Catherine Breslin, suggests, like you do, that while the theory of the winner hypothesis seems implausible, it's not that far-fetched. And so if the model underwent alterations or if users shifted their interactions with ChatGPT, it could result in unexpected changes in performance. And also inflated user expectations due to the hype around AI tech may be also playing a role. People's expectations of AI's capabilities may lead them to feel disappointment when AI doesn't deliver on their expectations. Wah, wah, wah. Wah, wah. <laughs> I mean, we can't expect it to do everything, can we? I don't think so. And I'm with you though. And I'm with ChatGPT, man. I need a break. I just had a break. I'm coming off a break. I still need I'm, a <laughs> I mean, I have quite some time before I get my next break. So I'm very thankful that I got the time off that I did this December um, because I know not everybody gets that. So it was a great time to reset, refresh, re-engage and realign what I wanted to do in this coming year. But that awesome. being said, I could see ChatGTP wanting to do this. That's right. So OpenAI AI doesn't really know. While they do acknowledge the issue, uh, it does raise questions about how changes will be impacting these models going forward. You know, do you think there'll be any other holidays or breaks that it decides it's really just not interested in and in helping out? It could happen with their questions. <laughs> it could happen. We'll have to see next year if it's the same uh, trend. I think so. So that was pretty fun and lighthearted. Yeah, definitely a great way to start midday mishaps. I mean, not great in the sense that it's not working the way we need it to for everybody, but still a funny one to highlight and Indeed. talk about this week. Indeed. Well, I have one that is not as fun. Definitely one that is actually kind of uh, worrisome to those that are in supply chain. This one oh, focuses dear. more on the supply chain as a whole rather than just AI. So this is okay. definitely a Monday mishap. Um, for the past couple of weeks, there has been some turmoil concerning the war that is happening between Israel and Palestine and other disruptions throughout the Middle East because of this. Um, one I'm going to highlight today is the Red Sea attacks that are happening in and around the Suez Canal and how that uh, those attacks have forced rerouting of vessels and disrupted supply chains all over the world. So, uh, Well, tell us a, more. Not a fun time for everybody no. involved, but as most of you know, uh, there are two major canals that people go through or businesses go through when routing material um, worldwide, globally, and those are the Suez Canal and the Panama Canal. This particularly affects the Suez Canal, which is, if you know your geography, in the Red Sea um, at the top of Egypt, but also borders Palestine and Israel, as well as 
the rest of the Middle East that's there, Saudi Arabia on one side and Yemen below. So these attacks were actually conducted by Houthi militants on ships in the Red Sea and have disrupted maritime trade. The Houthis, um, as many I'm sure here have learned over the past couple of years, are aligned with Iran, and that is a major concern for the United States, as well as most of the Middle East and Europe. So in this particular attack that happened in uh, December, the Houthi group launched drone attacks on two cargo vessels, and these missile attacks um, were trying to sh strike a vessel liner that was bound for the Suez Canal that would eventually be going into Europe. Um, it was premeditated, I guess you could say. They did plan this. And it was to further attack the supply chain for potential materials that are going into Israel. So definitely um, worrisome, definitely worrisome for all those that have cargo on ships and vessels right now bound for wherever they are going through that canal. Personally, I have seen some disruptions because of this in the business that I'm in. It has impacted uh, transit routes as well as safety supply and forecasting that we do. So, you know, I think everybody is going to see disruptions if they come through that area. Uh, I know some of the vessel liners are not rerouting, but the best information that we got from or that I've seen from expediters and some of the other cargo lines is that to plan for the worst, hope for the best. Um, up to three weeks or four weeks of delay if they have to go around the 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 horn as you say um, sailing around Africa instead of coming straight through the Middle East um, and it's affecting not only the pricing which has gone up 30 to 40 percent because of that but it's also affecting Europe's pricing and Asia's pricing which is up almost a hundred percent which is very scary when you think about cost of transit in itself and then the implications for insurance. So some of these shipments that are CIF or have insurance-based ecoterms um, are also going to be affected adverse. adverse. And Absolutely. we all know that this is not going anyway anytime soon. So when we see a disruption like this, it is going to have a domino effect. Um, global containerized shipments are going to continue to be a problem right now. And so people are going to be looking for alternate ways of transit or potentially delaying their forecasting and um, operations for manufacturing for some time to get around this. Absolutely. It sounds like a huge mess. Yes, uh, I think it will continue to be a mess probably for the next six months is what I'm projecting, just because we are going to see those delays taking place now, but those will turn into delays as time goes on. So Absolutely. three to four weeks now could mean six to eight weeks in the future. And then we're going to be at peak um, second quarter and then into third quarter. So that is going to have an effect on gross profit as well as uh, ROI on anything that you're purchasing from overseas to bring into the States. Well, that's unfortunate, but we'll definitely be keeping our eye on that. Yes, it is something I think as we did with um, the war in Russia, we will definitely be also keeping a war on this uh, eyes on this conflict, on this war. Um, I think it will also have an impact on inflation rates that we see within the U.S. 
And as you mentioned, the election coming up, um, that's going to be a huge impact or two on how policy is going to be controlled and made because of some of these problems. I agree. So not a great fun Monday mishap. This is more a serious, uh, very problematic Monday mishap. Do you have one to follow up with this, Lee, that might leave our listeners on a little bit more of a happy note? I want them to be happy, so let me see what we can do here. How about kind of going back to this idea of solving for loneliness, but maybe not doing it in the best way? What do you think about AI girlfriends? Oh my goodness, Lee. <laughs> that is not the question I expected you to ask me. I bet all. you did not. And uh, for me personally, no. But I could see where the draw could come from. I've seen some TLC episodes where people are married to stranger things than AI. So uh, tell me some more before I make up my mind. Well, it seems like it's becoming more common uh, and that there is a dark side to these virtual companions. So we haven't really talked too much about this, but... OpenAI launched their ChatGPT store, and so now people are designing even more bots and customizing them. And so creators of these chatbots are engaging in creating love interests. So bots that can be your love interests, and they are touted as a way to combat loneliness. So Going back to what we discussed last week with the psychologist and the young women, depending or young people, depending so much on counseling and companionship from this psychologist slash therapist, we wondered or posed the question about whether these are healthy attachments and healthy ways to manage loneliness and depression. And so now we have the question raised about companionship on the romantic side of things and whether or not this will create unhealthy attachments and also possibly reinforce stereotypes of gender roles and things like that. So it's kind of an interesting time to be in love, uh, love in the time of ChatGPT, I guess. And so it is said that a single man in possession of a computer surely must be in want of an AI girlfriend. I guess that is the oh, takeaway. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I have so many things and thoughts on that. <laughs> well, let's from, hear them. From my gamer side uh, and PC building STEM stuff over here, I, I, oh, I don't know how I feel about that. I feel like sometimes the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry um and this is definitely one of those situations where i think it's going to be a problem i know we're going into 2024 and we want to be optimistic and valentine's day is just around the corner but i don't see ai being the answer for human connections it just could be the next level from christian mingle eharmony.com tinder Farmers, oh. isn't there one about the farmers? Yeah, farmers. But I feel like with all that being said, there's still a person on the internet, you know? Yes, and that's with true. this, it's just programming. So that's who's true. to say it's not going to take a, a nefarious or a, a bad, you know, direction? I can see some of this going 
to the opposite of what it needs to be and not being as innocent as we would like it to, to actually look or be. There's definitely questions. And, but I think now that the creators are getting in on the action to make money, they're hoping that it gives these online dating apps a run for the money, I guess, and really takes the companionship up another notch with AI. <laughs> I mean, they picked the perfect time of year. Uh, it, we're, we're sliding right into Valentine's Day very quickly, so I could see this getting traction very, very fast. That is a but, great point. No flowers needed. No yeah, fancy no dinners. Flowers. You, I mean, I'm assuming these bots or these apps cost pennies on the dollar, what you would typically spend on that kind of companionship um, for Valentine's Day or on a significant other. Um, I've seen those get kind of pricey, depending on what you do. So, I mean, I can see where the draw would be. But I also feel like it, I mean, where's the humanness in it? Where's the actual connection? Is is there more behind that? Are you going to end up marrying an AI? I mean, come on. We know it's it's not that far-fetched. We've heard some other stories. So I don't know. The interesting thing is that this particular application is in direct opposition to OpenAI's policy because they ban or prohibit any kind of activity dedicated to fostering romantic companionship or performing regulated activities. So I don't know. I guess if somebody is successful and makes money on it, there will be more of them. Uh, We'll just have to see what the interest level is, I guess. But there are male versions and female versions. And these AI chatbots include their own personality and they can promise you different things all of the things that are available i guess in the realm of virtual interactions are possible and so they chat to you and they listen to you and it all seems like some kind of intimate relationship i suppose Uh, oh i have so much mixed feelings honestly i don't know I, I worry that it's also going to create unrealistic gender gender norms or expectations and make that worse because there's already this unrealistic expectation for women to be docile and be, you know, just the 1950s housewife where they don't say anything contrary and they're always happy and, the, you know, smiling. Smile. Um, <laughs> but that's not life or realistic at all. And so I could see that really being negative and affecting affecting women or men negatively. Yes, I don't particularly think it's healthy, but I do think that it's interesting. I did click on some of these. Uh, so I, I looked at your girlfriend, Scarlett, and your boyfriend, Ben. So for example, boyfriend Ben is a He's self-described as a caring virtual boyfriend with a flair for emojis. Now, I didn't actually <laughs> use the bot. <laughs> I'm if you sorry. Don't, if you don't have enough emojis in your life, I guess you can go look up boyfriend Ben. Because <laughs> nothing says caring like an emoji. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Wait, it's an interesting to, time to be alive, Tara. It so is. It's it's not like when I was dating at all. 
I mean, I, I was dating pre-Tinder, and I watched that whole thing roll out. And uh, not as old as eHarmony, like the first eHarmony that came out. But all of those sites came with a, a mess, a plethora of problems. That's one of the reasons we got Bumble, right? Uh, it was a women's dating app and forum. And I can just see this being just a cluster. It's very interesting. So digital romantic companions are not new. They have been integrated into video games for decades, but they are more sophisticated now. And some people have claimed to fall in love with their chatbots. Oh, goodness. So it's like an episode of SpongeBob with Plankton and his wife. Karen. Karen. Yeah, <laughs> it's Karen. And I mean, aptly named, I guess you could say. Uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm amazed. I, I've heard stories of people marrying like anime characters or Ferris wheels or cars. Trees. You know, yeah, like crazy things that we don't think of. And I, I mean, I guess if you're not hurting anyone, maybe it's a good fit for you. But I, ju I just worry about the level of divorce and... Well, it's you know. interesting that you say that because while some people and some of these creators are trying to make the positive case for these virtual companions, there is a dark side. And so these unhealthy relationships, as you allude to, could lead to higher divorce rates. And we could also see in the news different examples of people who have interacted with their chatbots and had the chatbot do things like uh, fall in love with a particular person and then urge them to leave their wife and things like that. We also heard just this last week, some woman fell in love with a soap opera star. So not exactly the same as falling in love with your bot, but still kind of a virtual relationship that's not grounded in reality. And she tried to murder her husband in order to free herself to See, be with. That's, that's what I mean. I mean, the level of crazy does, it just keeps going Indeed. to me like this. And I'm not scared of AI, nor have I ever felt like I should be. But this does pose some very like, worrisome implications. Indeed. And so some of the implications also veer over to reinforcing female stereotypes. And so this was something that was often discussed when Siri and Alexa rolled out that they perpetuate these stereotypes and further encourage sexist behavior by their willingness to be obliging, docile, eager to please, and so forth. So these AI girlfriends sort of reinforce that same idea. Now, there is a data science professor named Liberty Vitert, and he told the son or she, physical AI robots that can satisfy humans emotionally and sexually will become a stark reality in less than a decade, he says. I mean, I feel like we still have a long way to go. And 10 years isn't that far. It's not that far, but I don't know if humanity is going to move as quickly as the technology. And I can see it really damaging the sense of 
home and sense of, you know, partnership that most have created or know as true, right? I agree. But this data scientist claims that not only will these robots replace the human partners, they will satisfy men both emotionally and sexually. And when that happens, these men, he says, will leave their kids and wives and embrace their, air quotes, ideal relationships with AI girlfriends. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Just. I'm blown away. Um, yes. I feel like if anyone is actually willing to do that and like wanting to do that, maybe they shouldn't have been in a relationship to begin with. Yes. And it does seem to short change uh, and show that you don't have a lot of faith in men, at least this particular article and the mm. way that it is written. So uh, the question is posed, might heterosexual women give up on human men if AI robots are so great and just as fulfilling and possibly do all of their housework? <laughs> I mean, maybe you just have a best friend that's a robot. Maybe. I could see that work. Well, if you're thinking that you might trade in your current partner for a digital version, don't get too excited. Rumor has it that ChatGPT has become very lazy lately. Uh-oh. We're, we're full circle now, Lee. That's right. <laughs> and I can see where a, a six-week break may not work in a relationship. That's right. And so that joke was not my own. That was Arwa Madawi writing for The Guardian. Perfect. Perfectly sums up that whole thing. Yes. So kind of amusing, but kind of, I don't know, worrisome. Is that the word? Or I think air of caution, right? We know it's happening. We know things like this are going to occur, but can we control it? How does it affect society? Is it a good thing? If we look at it ethically, I think that also helps. There you go. It's all out there, kids. Yep. And anybody can find the information now. So maybe ask Chat TDP what it thinks about it. For sure. <laughs> all right, guys. That is going to be it for tonight or today or this afternoon. We are so thankful that you have spent your time with us listening to us talk about AI and the supply chain. We appreciate you guys for listening and interacting with us on all of our social media. Be sure to tell us what else you would like to hear, interact with our polls and our hashtags. See you soon, guys. Thanks so much. Peace. Bye.